0: Can we turn our Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter five? We're going to talk about the difference one life can make. Now, tell me honestly, how many last week were sick of this stupid song that we sang in church? I've been here like almost 50 years. The first time we ever sang a Disney song, uh, but it fit in the sermon, you know, and I'm not going to sing it again because, man. I couldn't get it out of my head. I think my wife was ready to leave me. You know, you whistle that one more time. I'm out. Just, uh, but it was up where they walk where Ariel is bummed with her tail as a mermaid. She wants legs, she wants to be able to walk on land, and up where they walk, up where they run, up where they spend all day in the sun or stay all day in the sun, but this was the two. Wandering free. And I wish I could be part of that world. How do you get up there? Remember it started, I was quoting from a book I once read. Where a guy goes up to his friend, and in hawaii and he'd say, how's it? He probably said, how are you doing? And his friend answered, fine, under the circumstances. So the first guy goes, what are you doing down there? Why are you under the, why are you living in defeat? Why aren't you just rising above that and living in victory, living in the joy of the Lord? And so when she says, wish I could be part of that world. She's saying, I'm not under the sea. I'm under the circumstances. How do you raise up? How do you do do what they're doing? How how can I get to where I'm above my circumstances? How can I get to where I'm living in victory and be a part of that world of victorious Christians, which is the normal Christian life? So here's a review. We have studied this again and again in Romans, and we'll do it again today. Justified, you break it down, it means just as if I'd, never sinned, plus having the righteousness of God in Christ. Let me illustrate that with this continuum. So on this continuum, on one end we have my sin, which brings God's judgment and ends me up in hell. On the other extreme of the continuum, we have God's righteousness, where we end up in heaven. So if I say justified means just as if I'd never sinned, that only brings me to the middle. That only brings me to like point zero. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned plus God's righteousness that I have in Christ. Anything less than that, you don't get to heaven. All right? So once we're justified, so Romans 5:1 starts out, having been justified, this guy's saved. That's how you have peace with God. The war is over. Once I have the peace with God, I can enjoy the peace of God. And then we talked about the difference between saving grace and sustaining grace. And I talked about how, excuse me, often Christians suffer with, am I really saved? Yeah, saving grace, you're forgiven. But I find more Christians who struggle with sustaining grace. Because once I am saved, I'm forgiven, I still mess up. So do you all the time. And and we have this mind game of how can I really be saved when I just stumble so much by having sustaining grace? You're kept by the power of God, the Bible says. So then in Romans 5.3, it says, well, part of living up there, part of being up in that world of victory and joy, you glory in your tribulation. Who in the world gets off on trials? Remember the trial is the root word of a log with nails coming out of it, pulled by animals and crushing over grain and popping open the pods. And and the idea is that that thing's going over me. It's going over over you. And you glory in that? No, what I would glory in is if I won the gold medal. Right, if we go to the Olympics. Don't give me a gold medal. All I would do is wear it. To bed, in the shower, to church, and you'd go, what's with the gold medal? I said, I am glorying in the fact I got gold. You would say, oh, like the glory in your tribulations? Oh, no, 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 that's a different kind of glory. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's the idea, I enjoy, I'm not looking forward to it, but once I'm in a trial, I know I can glory because of two reasons. How can anybody expect to, be, to have glory? Number one, we have hope. We, we have hope that God is using this. We have a hope that does not disappoint. I know, oh, it's tribulation, but it's going to bring out proven character and eventually give me hope, and it's a hope that doesn't disappoint. But secondly, as a believer, we have resources that the world does not have. We have the Holy Spirit, and the Bible says, he's given us the, the love of God. It's already there in our hearts. We need to activate it. So this, at this point, he says, therefore, therefore. And so now he's building his case for the next part of Romans. And so we pick it up in Romans verse chapter five, verse 12. And just a heads up, this is one of those difficult portions of scripture but I think the overhead is really gonna help clarify and simplify what he's getting at. So verse 12, therefore, now that we have, now that we can have this hope that doesn't disappoint. Just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So I can't get a ticket for speeding if there's no speed limit. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Moses received the law, the 613 commandments. And everybody died in the meantime. Even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, we didn't do the exact same sin. But Adam's a type of him who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by the one man's offense many died, meaning everybody, much more, super duper, much more the grace of God and the the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded. So abounding grace to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one man who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense. You ever think about that? Adam and Eve, they blew it one time and they were booted out of the garden. So for those people, well, God knows my heart. He knows my heart. It's wicked. It's evil. It's deceptive. One sin, they're booted out. So for the one, the one offense resulted in condemnation, which again leads to hell. But the free gift, which came from the, the many offenses, resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense, Death reigned, there's like a kingdom of death. Death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Oh, another kingdom. Kingdom of death, kingdom of life, through the one Jesus Christ. Verse 18, therefore, as as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, so he's summarizing. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but the sin, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. We're going to call that the tidal wave of grace so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you're going, Lord, open my eyes. All right, so here's, this, here's the overview of what we just read. There are basically two atoms, right? The first atom, uh, well, each of these atoms made a choice. He made a decision. They each committed one act. One was a sin. One was a surrender. Father, not my will, but your will be done. Okay? And each act brought about consequences that affected the entire human race. That's the overview here. So let's took it like this: two Adams. So on one, we have the, ad, the first Adam, of course, Adam and Eve. Then we have this division line, and on the other side we have Jesus as the second Adam. Alright, that's what he's doing here. So Adam of Adam and Eve was created. You go, wait a minute. I don't believe in creation. I believe in evolution. I believe in, you know, Big Bang theory. You're going to have a real problem with Romans chapter 5. You're going to have a real problem with the words of Jesus who believes in Adam and Eve. So let's go this way. This is my thing on evolution theory. It's not fact, it's taught as if it were fact, but it's a theory. The Big Bang. So evolution says, no one plus nothing equals everything. Do you believe it? Well, it took billions of years. It doesn't help me. It's hopeless. There's no designer. There's no design. There's no purpose. There's no future. It's just no one plus nothing equals everything. I can't buy that. Now, even Darwin, who was the father of evolution, He knew that paleontology, the study of fossils, did not support his theory. He was hoping in time it would, but it has not. Now, let's let's do it this way. Because remember, the whole thing, it took billions of years. Have you seen the latest car? The latest car has the, the doors that open like, you know, the wings of a bird. It went retro. It's got headlights that hide and come back out. It's got 50 speakers inside. It drives itself 200 miles an hour. You can take a nap. It's just amazing. The tires never wear out. It doesn't need gas. And you go, whoa, who created such a thing? What a genius. No, no, no. It took billions of years. (laughs) It just Billions. Just have faith. I don't have faith in that. That's just nonsense. Don't ask me to believe that. So what about a child? You ever seen a child born? When I see a baby, I look at the fingernails. I don't know; just I don't have a fetish. I just look at the fingernails because they're so tiny, and flexible, and pliable, and funny. And then they're connected to these little tiny fingers. And I look at the eyelashes, the eyes. I'm just amazed at a baby. To say well, to billions of years, robs God of being God. You see, I believe evolution is a, a teaching from the pit of hell. Because God said he created man in his image with a living soul. Evolution does nothing about a soul. It's just you die and poof, you're gone. No, that baby has a soul. Now it's not that my body has a soul. It's that my soul has a body. This body is very temporal. My next body it's going to be glory it's going to be awesome it'll never wear out but to say well it takes billions of years that's nonsense god created in the beginning he created so christianity is not a theory it's theology study of god so in matthew 19 jesus talked about adam and eve in the beginning god created them man and male and female jesus talked about creation Jesus talked about Adam and Eve. So if there's no Adam and Eve, that's a shock to Jesus. But also here in Romans 5, Paul the Apostle is talking about Adam and Eve. So we go back to this thing about, okay, the first Adam, the second Adam, and the first Adam, what about creation versus evolution? Well, what I do is just say, well, Jesus taught about evolution or about creationism. So I believe there was an Adam and Eve. Not only that, I believe Adam stands as this federal head, the representative of mankind. So what happens here, Adam is given his power of choice, so is Eve. But Adam is the federal head in that in his loins, if you will, is the future of all mankind. So he's the only one, he's the only man around, he's, he's representing us So when he sinned and got the broken fellowship with God, when he inherited at that point, got a sinful nature, that sin nature was passed on to me and passed on to you. That's why you don't have to teach a baby to be selfish. You don't have to teach someone to lie. You don't have to teach someone to be, you know, have a pity party. It just comes naturally. It's part of it. You go, well, I don't like being held accountable for someone else's sin. He doesn't represent me. Let's illustrate it this way. Say, oh, I love the Olympics. And the Olympics uh, this year, let's just say in boxing. Anybody watch boxing? The final match, the gold match, is between the USA and Russia. We have Russians in this church. And someday we're gonna get their testimonies, insane testimony, of how they got to America and got the visas and all that. So right now they're (laughs) going, Russia will win. (laughs) We always win. So there is the final thing. And so in the match, the Russian knocks out the American. The Russian wins gold. For you to say, he didn't win gold because he didn't beat me, that's be silly. He beat your representative. He beat the best of the best. The best we have. He was our gladiator. He was our warrior. He lost and they won. and, And he was our representative. In the same way, Adam was our representative and so he flew it and, in, and then he got this kingdom of death and darkness ending in hell unless God intercedes or intervenes so let's go to the other Jesus the other the second Adam the second Adam was not created like the first Adam he was the creator matter of fact Colossians shares the this thing about Jesus Colossians chapter 1 for by Jesus or by him all things were created <coughs> excuse me the Bible is full of creation by Jesus all things were created um, he is before all things and uh, in him all things consist he's the head of the body I miss the. Uh, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth Visible, invisible, powers, thrones, dominions, all things. Created through him, for him, by him. Amazing. So here's the creator. Now, he also has the power of choice. He could do his own will like Adam did. Adam basically said, "He's he's told, okay, you can do anything you want. Just one thing. One thing. Don't, don't, don't. And Adam basically said, Father, not your will, but my will. The second Adam, Jesus, was battling one night. Remember the the sweat drops of blood and just going, I don't want to do the cross. I don't want to go. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. So the first Adam disobeyed. The second, Jesus, surrendered. And through his death, we now have a kingdom of life and light. Here's, Here's what Paul is saying. You were born into this kingdom. Because we've inherited a sin nature, you were born into the kingdom of of darkness and death. To get into this kingdom of life, you're born again. You see, we inherit stuff from our parents, hair color, eye color, skin color, but also what is inherited, what is passed on is a sin nature. David said in Psalm 51, in sin, my mom conceived me. He's the eighth boy. She's not messing around. He's saying the sin nature was passed on from from my mom. We don't like it, it's just a fact. If you want, right now, you could very well still be in the kingdom of death and darkness. The only way to get over here into the kingdom of life and light is by being born again in Jesus Christ. So let's, again, let's rehearse this. We've got the two Adams. The first Adam, he brought about the kingdom of death and darkness. Now, I can prove that everyone here is a sinner. I I have video evidence that, man, some of you guys, I can blackmail you seriously. I'm kidding. I don't have video evidence. But I can prove every single person here is a sinner how because everyone's gonna die he links sin and death they go together always sin Jesus or God said to Adam the day you eat that up, you surely die sin and death I can prove because every one of us unless we get raptured will die it proves we're sinners now on the other side you have the kingdom of life and light i can prove that every believer here will be forgiven and will have life because jesus said so he promised remember he went up to martha and mary hey i am the resurrection the life If you believe in me even though you die you're going to live so this is such a powerful this is what jesus's death does to Satan's grip on people in Hebrews we're in the book of Hebrews in our Ohana groups it says this in chapter 2 through death Jesus he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil now not only destroy the devil but release those who through fear of death were were all their lifetime subject to bondage what is that supposed to mean He came, Jesus came, I'm gonna destroy the works of the devil and I'm gonna set people free. Now, we used to have a guy named Big Bill in this church. He was an ex-hells angel. He claimed, I think he was six foot five, claimed to be 350, we're thinking that's fudging it a little bit. A monster of a man, when he first came he had jaundice, so he had yellow eyes. Huge beard, big guy but he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. These were his favorite verses, because even as an ex-hells angel who ended up in prison for being connected to a murder somehow, he said the thing that got him, even as a hells angel, he was always terrified of death. And then he read Hebrews, he said, what? God, release that? I don't have that fear anymore? Not even Big Bill was set free. So when it says the many, he's talking about every single person will die. Okay, in verse 15, look. Because of Adam, everybody's going to die. But then he goes, the free gift is a lot different than than that. It's available to everybody. Anybody can have it. But as a gift, it's got to be received. Careful what this does not mean. See, some people take this verse and use it for universalism. It's a great term to get familiar with. Universalism believes that the death of Jesus, everyone in the world is going to be forgiven. Everyone in the world is going to end up in heaven. Uh, nah, you know what you, what you do in a situation like that? You compare Scripture with Scripture. Sometimes when somebody comes up with that, you go, I'm not sure what that means, but I know what it doesn't mean. Here's the words of John the Baptist in in John chapter 3. This is right after the he greater than I verse. So John 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son, Jesus, has eternal life, everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, not in the kingdom of life and light, but the wrath of God abides in him. So John the Baptist is saying no 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 it's not universalism you've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ so here's the super duper tidal wave remember I said we're gonna to come to this Adam's sin his one sin I think he did a lot more good than bad but the one sin and all of us represent uh, him representing all of us in the death reign but, but instead we can receive this abundance of grace, not a sprinkling of grace. So this is how we talk about it. It's the high tide of our sin. Our Ohana group went paddling a few times up the Anahulu stream. And the last time we're paddling up, and I pointed out on the bank, you could see where the high tide had been. It was really high that day, and now it was considerably lower. So, as high as say your sin, my sin represents the high point. We're, whoa, we're the high tide mark. Okay, but God's grace is like a tidal wave. It says, I will wipe that out. In the Greek, basically saying super, super duper. You would think that God's anger would be the tidal wave, but instead, it was his grace. All right, so this is good news when we surrender. Now, we're almost done. The law entered that the offense might abound. So here is a picture of a broken arm. All right? Remember Danny, Pastor Danny shared on this recently, that the law, now remember that's, that represents 613 laws that Moses got. Not all at once, but eventually. The law is like an x-ray. The x-ray, all it does is say, oh, you have a broken bone but the x-ray doesn't have any power to do anything. Wouldn't that be cool if they came up with an x-ray machine that says, you have a broken bone, it's fixed. No, all it does is say you have a broken bone. And so all the law says is, Mike, you're a sinner, but the law can't fix it. The law can only condemn. So here the super duper grace of God says, yeah, it's not only bad, but I will fix it. Then we get to the effects of their choices. Okay, Because this is, this is the, uh, what one life can do. So Adam, the first Adam, kingdom of death and darkness. You might say, that's not fair. <laughs> I don't like being linked to him. I didn't do it. Well, you didn't lose to the Russian boxer either, but your representative did. That's the idea here. But then when it comes to the second Adam, Jesus and the kingdom of life and light, well, I really like being associated with him. I really like him affecting my life. But it's the same principle. So, here's our two applications. Number one, the two Adams. Remember, the first was Adam and Eve. Second was, or the Adam of Adam and Eve. Second is Jesus, the second Adam. Remember, he, Adam of Adam and Eve, brought about the kingdom of death and darkness. Sin consequences ending up in hell Jesus the second Adam brought about the kingdom of life and light and as I pointed out before this you were born we were all born into the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of death to get into this kingdom of life and light we need to be born again it's interesting that Jesus is the one maybe you thought Billy Graham said this Billy Graham quotes Jesus in John chapter 3 Unless you're born again, you're not even gonna see the kingdom of heaven. You're not gonna come near it. Unless you're born again. Now the guy he's talking to is Nicodemus. And he's going, what's that supposed to mean? And I crawl back up my mother, he says, No. That's one way of being born physically. The second way of being born again now is spiritually where you say, God, I am a sinner. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I surrender to you. I invite you into my heart, into my life. I'm gonna follow you from now on. So today, you have the choice. We said, Adam, the first Adam had a choice. He said, Father, not your will, my will, in essence. The second Adam had a choice. Father, not my will, but your will, and he did a sacrifice for us. But now you have a choice. If you're here this morning, you've never been born again, today's the day. This is not something to put off. You're not guaranteed your dinner tonight. You're not guaranteed to sleep tonight. It might be your last day. That's not a threat, It's reality. You have a power of choice. Now, talk about choices. Here's some choices you get to make and how they can make a difference. Did you know that in 1776, we just had 4th of July last Sunday, right? Fourth of July Declaration of Independence, July Fourth, 1776. Also that year, one vote determined USA would speak English and not Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Now, I am so glad. You know, just I don't know much German. Trust you know, Don't be ashamed. If you if you're that old, do you remember that song? But you know, I'm so glad we're speaking English. One guy, one gal, whoever it was, showed up and said, "No, I want English." That's a positive. Did you know that in 1923 one person's vote said Hitler is gonna be our dictator. Hitler's gonna take over the Nazi party who eventually led led the world into World War II. Eventually some six million mostly Jews were killed. One guy, one vote. One person made a world of difference for the negative. But what about Queen Esther? That's one person who did a world of good for the positive. One queen, a Jewish believer, saved an entire nation. But then you've also got the Good Samaritan. One guy saved one guy, and he's in the book. You could go on, Rahab the prostitute. You could go on, the the gal who cried over Jesus and wiped his feet with her tears, and he goes, wherever the gospel shared, you're gonna read about her. One person was used to affect many. How about you? What are the choices you're facing right now? How about this choice of friends? It's a decision. Oh, especially junior high, senior high, college, those formative years. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. There's an old saying I like about choosing your friends show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's that simple. You're gonna go with that crowd, you're gonna end up in the stoners. You're gonna go with this crowd, you're gonna end up blocked. So I asked one of our teens last week, or the other day, say, uh, tell me who your your top, your best, five best friends are. And she told me, and I go, uh, Tell me which one keeps you closest to Jesus Christ. Without hesitating, and I knew who it was, she goes, This gal, she's always telling me we need to go tell people about Jesus. See, I got my eye on this girl for a long time. She's making a difference already. She's serving in this church as a team. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You know, we always want to be cool. We want to be thought of as sexy, and you know, you know all this talented and stuff. And yeah, of course, I'm not trying to be ugly. And so you don't want friends that support all that, and you go, listen. I want godly friends. I want friends who who love me enough to keep me accountable. What were you doing talking to that person? What were you doing going to that movie? You know, not. Military or negative way where, but in love. Someone who loved me enough to tell me the truth. Second one, how about your job? Choice of a job. See, for some, the promotion is all about promotion. Oh, promotions are good. But does it bring you closer to the Lord? Is it a bigger mission field? There was a gal in his church for years. And she's one of these gals that would come up every Sunday and talk. She should have been called Joy because she's just bubbling. And so one day she comes up and says, uh, hey, I got a job, but I work on Sundays. I said, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll rob you. Don't do it. Oh, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. That was over 25 years ago. She's never been back. It's a choice she made. How about this one? choice of being salt, choice of being light in someone's life. Now, I'm not trying to step on toes. We just got through Pride Month and I'm not sure what percentage of the world is gay, lesbian, transvestite, all that stuff. But it sure seems like they're shoving it down my throat and I have to Surrender the rainbow to them, and I have to never say anything about their lifestyle. I know believers who are more sensitive to not offending someone than they are concerned of seeing them in heaven. I go, okay, I I, I know, I I believe it's it's been handled wrong. It, there has been shame, and that's why it's now Pride Month. I I get that. And, and, and I have homosexual friends. I've actually prayed with someone to, who gave their life to Jesus Christ, repented of that homosexual, and got married and had kids. You know, just like, I, I have a heart for them. But to just say, whoa, don't mention it, that's wrong. It's like saying, don't mention adultery. That's another se- sexual sin listed at the same list in the Bible. Don't, don't say anything about this. Wait, 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 wait. I get it. I understand your concern. You don't want to offend them. But Jesus was offensive. That's why they nailed him to a cross. Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, you're going to go to hell, basically. Jesus said, the only way for you to get to heaven is through me. That's offensive. That's saying, I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. Who do you think you are? So they nailed him to a cross. So I have this. Okay, I get it. You're concerned. I get it. I'm concerned too. I don't want, listen, I want to be a soul winner, not a soul loser. I'm trying to bridge a gap to these people, not chase them away. All right? Here's the bottom line How many of those people will end up in heaven because you were salt and light in their lives? There's this problem, this danger of, oh, don't say anything offensive while they go to hell. What, what good is that? What kind of a friend is that? So i, I like, th- this is my answer now? Great, got it, got it. How many lesbians, how many homosexuals, how many adulterers, how many drug users, how many fill in the blank are going to go to heaven because you were faithful to be salt. That means you shared with them about sin. But even more importantly, you shared with them about the Savior, Jesus Christ. You know you can't give what you don't have. And I trust you have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You read the book of Proverbs where it says, oh, hold them back. Do something about, be aggressive, lovingly aggressive in trying to win them over. Yeah, it's gonna be, you won't step on toes. did someone step on your toes? But when you get to pray with someone to surrender their life to jesus christ to have that first love experience of receiving forgiveness and that huge huge weight of sin lifted it's so cool so i want to close with this everyone here was born into the death the kingdom of death and darkness to get to the kingdom of life and light, you need to be born again. You just come to that realization I'm not going to make it on my own. If I think I'm making it on my own, I tell Jesus, You wasted your time. I don't need your sacrifice. But Jesus prayed, Father, if there's any other way, I don't want to do this. Now, to be born again, said so Jesus, I thank you for doing that. And I welcome you into my life. Would you please forgive me of my sins? I surrender to you. Let's pray, folks.